Hey, thanks so much, Tim. Hey, good evening, everybody. Good to see you guys. I know it is a busy season, so we're really grateful, especially you guys at, uh, at home as well. Can we just say welcome to our uh, church family online? Hey, good evening, guys. Hope you are enjoying your Christmas season as well. Um, this evening, we're actually concluding the series we began uh, on the kingdom of God and understanding your role in it. And we, we started actually the series by, by talking about what the gospel was that Jesus preached. Because the gospel that Jesus preached, I think, is sometimes is, is so mischaracterized in, in modern days because Jesus didn't talk about just the fact that he would uh, die on the cross and uh, rise again so that, that you and I could be saved, although that is part of what he did. But he talked about that the kingdom of God was near. And, and so we started to preach about the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the rule of God, not just simply on heaven, but on, on earth, and that, that heaven wanted to break out in, on earth. And so God is not just creator and sustainer, but he is presently working on earth. And then we started talking about the basics of citizenship, how that the gospel of the kingdom talks about the fact that we we live under a different rule, that we have a different sovereign than than just the, the sovereign of a, a, a political leader or the sovereign of a, a, a kingdom of a, an earthly kingdom. And so, you know, we don't have the time to go over all of this, but we we did have some time where we talked about the culture of the kingdom we saw displayed in uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and in talking about how it's a different kind of a, a standard that that maybe the world says, and maybe even religion says, hey, as long as I, I see, but I don't touch, but Jesus said something different, right? He said it, it starts in the heart. It does matter what you do, but it starts in the heart. And so we talked about some of the basics in the training of citizenship, that his ways are higher than our natural ways, and just like his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And then we talked about the fact that why, why is it then sometimes so difficult as a believer? Why is it sometimes so difficult to, uh, to, to, to talk to people or minister? And we talked about the fact is that if you only focus on the physical, you will always be stymied. If you only focus about what you can do or what others can do in their efforts, you will find it very difficult to extend the kingdom because we find that there is kingdoms in conflict, that there really is an unseen spiritual world that affects our physical world, not simply heaven, but that there are forces of darkness as well, and that God is in the midst of reclaiming the lives of, of men and women, boys and girls who surrender to him but that there is a spiritual enemy as well. And if we don't know how to fight that battle, then you gen tend to get kind of ambushed every time. And so we talked about that aspect and how you and I, that God equips us then to change the spiritual climate in your family, to change the spiritual climate in where you work, that God allows us that possibility. And then we talked about what do we do now? And that because if we are called then to rule and reign with Christ, that you're not just called to, to get through life and to get to heaven. That's not really the call. The call is, is, is to get that when we get to heaven that we will rule and reign with Christ. So we need to learn how to do that now. That we need to learn how to overcome now. We need to learn how to stand strong spiritually now. And that as a result that we then represent him in this world. That we, we learn how to represent him in our different cultures and we talked about the different spheres the seven spheres of, of of influence in any culture that you know things like we talked about government and family and faith and business and uh, uh, technology we talked about those kinds of education we talked about those things um, and so that you needed to be an a person of influence wherever you're at whether it's in your family or whether it's in your workplace or where you go to school and then we talked about the last week was the directives and the provisions. Is that Jesus really does do have does have something as king? He has given us some directives. He's given us a, a commission to follow. And so, in order for us to fulfill the commission, though, you you have to be in the Word because you cannot obey what God has called you to unless you're in the Word. And you don't 
can't fulfill what you don't know. And so there's this aspect of being in the word and at the same time being empowered by the spirit. Because it, God is not telling you to just do it in your own power. Aren't you glad God doesn't, God doesn't ask you in your own strength, go and change the world. He doesn't say that. He says, go in my power, go in my provision. So it's not your power, it's not my power, it's his power. And so we talked about that last week. But this evening, we're going to just kind of close by just talking about, well, how is it that we kind of express the, the kingdom in an ongoing basis then uh, in our lives? Because part of that is what is our role, right? What is our role? And, and I, I just have three things that we want to talk about this, this evening. But the first one is this, that you got to learn to trust and obey. There's an old him that says trust and obey there's no other way that god calls us not simply to believe him or believe in him but to trust him and then obey him right uh that's the part of lordship and we're going to read together in ephesians chapter 4 about this first point and would you be kind enough let's stand in reverence for god reverence for his word and let's read this together this is what it says ready Begin. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. For their minds have... Okay, thank you. I, I skipped over. I don't know where I was reading. Uh, they have no... We're reading something. We're reading something. So I'm just going to continue on in verse 19. Uh, because their hearts have been hardened, right? So they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. And so either it's probably a combination. My hearing is bad. But the other part of it is uh, I got lost in here too. But the thing is that it's calling us. What he's talking about is that that the world is is in darkness right and so he's called us out of that he's called us out of the world and so that our hearts should no longer be hardened right but that we and that we don't just live for the lustful pleasures because he's calling us today to have faith and obedience to him now that this is not necessarily natural because it's a supernatural life that God is calling us to. You don't have to do it on your own. So d do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and says, God wants you to trust him, but he wants you to obey as well. Right? It's one thing to trust God. It's one thing to trust God. It's, it's, it's a great thing to trust God. It's a great thing to have faith, right? But does God just simply do that? Jesus doesn't just give suggestions, he gives commands. And sometimes in those commands that God has for us, he tells you, when he tells to stop, he wants you to learn how to stop. And when he tells you to go, he wants you to learn how to go, right? And so uh, how many of us have been in that place that you had great plans, you had some things that you wanted to do, and then the Lord put a break on that, right? And that we learned, maybe you struggled in that process. And I, we're not saying it's bad to struggle, Struggle's a natural part for every person. But what we learn is that we learn how to obey. That when God says go, we go. When God says stay, we stay. If God tells you say something, say something. If God tells you to be quiet, be quiet. I've, been, I've heard all those things before, right? That there's sometimes I've been in a conversation and I, I wanted to say, you guys ever wanted to say something and you hear the Spirit of God telling and it, it could be, you know, an argument with your, your spouse. It could be uh, something, maybe it's just something else. Maybe it's not even an argument, but you hear the Lord say, I want you to be quiet. I've heard the Lord tell me, shut up. And, and so I said, ooh, and I kept on talking. No, I was kidding. That's not redundant. But, you know, you, you have to learn. Now, why does God do that? Because he's training us. He's training us. And, and one of those things is that God wants you to obey him when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. Right? He wants you to obey him when it's easy, and he wants you to obey him when it's hard. 
It's, it's not a, a suggestion. I love what it says in Psalm, uh, Psalm 15, 4. It says it like this. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. You know, there's some things that you'll say, you made a promise at times. God will tell you to do something and you might say, God, I'm gonna do this thing. And then you know what? It's gonna get hard to do that thing, right? Lord, I promise I'm gonna give to this thing. And then all of a sudden you have a, you have an unexpected bill, right? There's gonna be something that's gonna happen that, God, I, I said, I'm gonna reach out to that person and then you have an argument with that person and then maybe you don't wanna do that anymore. And God says, no, 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 this is not the sign to not do it, this is the sign to obey me. I've been in that position, you know, I've been in that position a bunch of times where different things will happen and, and it's not easy to fulfill. And sometimes there's reasons that it's not easy. I, I remember um, one of those times, and I, I know I've shared this before, where uh, I was doing sales and, and I was learning how to do the job, to be honest, still, and learning how to write things up. And one of my bosses, my manager, uh, told me clearly, he says, if you ever write this, the, the, the sale up, just, and, and you have a question, just, just leave it alone. They already bought, just leave it. And, and uh, I remember doing this contract and, and uh, I felt like the Lord said, give them the discount. But I just didn't know how to do it, to be honest. It was, I was new, I didn't know how to calculate that in the thing. And so uh, I, I charged a price that I, I just, I wrote it out just the way it is and because I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was doing with the people. And, and then I went back and I told my boss at the same time, it's like, hey, I need to calculate how to do the thing and then go back to that client. And then he told me that same thing. Glenn, they signed, they already paid on that. Don't worry about it because they were willing to do it. And there was a part in me just was thinking, no, that's not right. God told me to give them a discount. But because he said, my manager said, just leave it alone. That's not how you do business. And this is the thing. God was, te God was testing whether I'm gonna learn how to do my business by what my manager said or by what God said, right? Now, I forgot about that. I, I listened to my manager at that point, right? Until like six months later, six months later, um, it's actually even longer than that, close to a year, I think, later, I'm doing my devotions and I say, God, is there anything that you want to tell me today? Is there anything that you're trying to communicate to me? And I heard the voice of God say, remember that family I told you to give a discount? And I got like, oh my gosh, I had a sinking feeling. And the thing is that if I had just given them the discount at, the, at that time, you know, it would have been nothing. And, and the, the reason I didn't give it wasn't because of what it was gonna cost me, I just didn't know how to do it. But because I processed the contract and I did these things and I calculated what the difference was to them, I felt like my call was to make them whole. And so I had to write a check for like $1,000. And I talked to my wife. I said, hon, God has told me, I guess I gotta make this thing right. I gotta make this thing, I gotta make that family whole. I didn't obey at that time. And I said, it can cost us a thousand. And she says, why didn't you listen the first time? No, I was kidding, but like, <laughs> she didn't. But she said, you know what? Let's just obey the Lord. And I wrote, a, I wrote a letter and I sent the check and I got a letter response back and they said, we have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> the family. We have no idea what you're talking about, but we understand that you felt compelled by God to do this. Now, you know, why was God doing that? Because he wanted to punish me? No. God wanted to train me, right? Because, you see, the kingdom is about me being able to respond to the king. And this is one of the things I've learned about obedience as a result of that. It's almost always cheaper to obey the first time than later on. <laughs> right? It's a, would have been, you know, like a $150 or something like that. It was a, was a really small amount compared to what I ended up doing. Now, this is why. You see, God, we think so often, can I trust God? Right? And when you, before you become a believer, that's the thing that you're wrestling with. After you become a believer, you realize you can trust God. You know what God is doing? 
He's checking, can he trust you? Can he trust you? If I tell you to do something, will you do it? If I tell you to stop, will you stop? Right? Or you're going to just say, I know what God is saying, but never mind. I'm just going to do what I want to do. This is what God says. Well, then, then I guess that we got we to gotta keep you in this grade for a little while till you learn how to obey me. Right? That control your tongue. Right? Control your action. Right? Con- control your attitude. And he's saying these things because how can he give us more if I won't obey him? How could God give me more when I was doing business if I cannot obey him there, right? And so that's what God was teaching. You find this in the book of Joshua when Joshua is leading the people into the promised land. And it, they think, God, are you for us? And he sees, he, he, he's been told, be strong and courageous for the Lord is with you. And then he sees this warrior at night when he's gone out to, to, to view out the land and he's gone to, to pray and he sees this thing and he says to that person, are you for us or against us? And he says, that's a wrong question because I am the angel of the Lord, the commander of God's army. And the question is, are you for him becomes a question. You see, God, sometimes we learn how to trust and obey because God's looking at our hearts, whether we obey him or whether we just have him, God, would you be on my side? And God is asking, are you on my side at times? And, and so this is one of the things about the kingdom. In order to have kingdom authority, to steward greater authority, God needs to know that he can trust you. If you want greater sense of responsibility, if you want a greater sense of, uh, uh, of leadership, if you want a greater sense of, he's saying material things, he says this like this, if you cannot be faithful in the little things, then how can I trust you with more? And one of the things that God said is that financial things, that's a little thing to God. He says, you cannot stand, how can I entrust people to you? How can I entrust lives to you? And so this is what he's saying. Learn to trust and obey. The second thing I'd say is this, is that God wants you to be faithful, be faithful, right? But but not to the rules and the regulations, right? It's not to the rules and regulations. It's not to say the do's and the don'ts. It's not saying, hey, I did all the right things. I'm doing all the right things. Leave me alone. I'm following what the word says. But God is saying this, to be faithful to your father and your king. You know, the apostle Paul, talking about what that's like, says it like this in Galatians chapter uh, chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. And he says it like this. Would you be kind enough? Let's read this together. Ready? Can we read? My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. And what is he saying when he says, says this? Paul's obedience isn't based because I have a set of moral principles and I don't violate my moral principles. He doesn't see it because he, you know, the, the law says this, although the law may say those things. He doesn't see it that way because he's responding to the God who gave his life for him. He wants to be faithful to the one who rescued him, to the one who loved him, it says. And that, man, I sense this aspect that God's, that Paul's response is one of love and faith, not of so I can say, I did the right thing, right? It, it's, it's not so he can say, I followed the rules. When you respond to people you love, it isn't necessarily because you have to. It's because you want to, right? I don't cheat on my wife, not because I have to not do it, because I don't want to do it, right? It's not like I, I, I handle... Um, my responsibility so that nobody complains, it's so that I please the one who called me to the responsibility. 
You see, wherever God places you and whatever the, the moment that, that God has in your life, and he's saying this, would you see it as a sacred responsibility? Some of us, we have a position of re- responsibility in your, uh, in your family. It's a sacred position as a father, as a mother, right? For some of us, uh, you're, you have that place in a workplace, that of responsibility. Maybe for some of us, I see out over kids. For some of us, I see it's like over your staff. For some of it's, and one of those things, it's a sacred responsibility. Why? Because it came from God. It didn't just come from your job. God gave you the job in the first place. Now, one of those things is, is that as a result, he's saying, I want you to be faithful in the relationship with me and not just the things that I've told you to do, but be, just literally be faithful in the relationship with me. Um, in Exodus 23, the first, the first command, the first of the 10 commandments, is you find it in verse three. In the New Living, it says it like this. You must not have any other God but me, right? You must not have any other God but me. And why is he saying that? He talks about the fact that when the people of the land would, would uh, or when the people of Israel would follow and they would, they would start worshiping the, the gods of the, the, the surrounding nations, they would, they would worship Baal or they would worship Molech or Chemosh or whatever it is, they would, they would follow another faith, that God called it adultery. And it, it's not that because they were doing physical adultery with someone other than their spouse, it's because it was a spiritual adultery, he's saying. It's like you're cheating on me like you would cheat on your spouse. That's how, that's how God calls it. And so he says, you must have no other God but me. And you know today that, um, you know, just, just so many things that are out there. You, we might tend to think, you know, like one of the biggest uh, spiritual movements that's happening uh, in our country, they say in the West, is the rise of paganism. It's the rise of, of people who worship the spirits of the land or like that for some in Hawaii, what we, we find is people going back to the old gods, right? That what we find in some places that, um, you know, uh, that people go to some of their cultural heritage. You know, like I was talking with uh, my kids and about in Japan and, and they uh, going to Japan and one of my kids said, well, maybe we can go to this temple. And I said, you know, the thing is that when you go to one temple, you've been to them all, right? You go to one shrine, you've been to them all. And then my, my son said, but dad, we never went to one yet, right? <laughs> and uh, because I've been on like mission trips and different things. And so you go to these places. I've been to a bunch of them. And the reality is that it feels like that to me. But, but here's the thing. And, and, I, and I laughed and I kind of liked it that that's the way it's been. Because I don't want to introduce them to say, hey, you know, because culturally, you know, like my grandparents came from Japan or that my wife came from Japan. And, and so this is what they did on this kind of a holiday. This is what they did in this kind of a season. And so, hey, let's not go back to the old ways, right? I, I, I believe, like firmly believe and that maybe those of us who are here, whatever you think about, whatever ethnic heritage you come from. But if I know if I was born in Japan, less than 1% chance that I would be a Christian today. I remember standing in, the, uh, in a crowded subway going through Tokyo one day. And there's just, I mean, it's like you guys, you know, that pack like sardines kind of a time. And I was just thinking, you know, if Jesus came back and the rapture happened that right at this moment, you know, like America would be, in many places, would be unfunctioning because, you know, how does it work? If it looked like the, the movies or the TV thing, right? Like the plane's just flying and no pilot or whatever it is. But you know what I just thought occurred to me when I was there? I said, you know, this train is gonna be just basically just as full. And I believe that God had my grandfather come to the United States. It wasn't, you know, it's so long ago, it wasn't the United States when he came, right? But when he came to Hawaii, and that, that my father was born, 
and that I was born and I came to know Jesus so that I could share with him. I could share with my grandmother. I could share with my family. I could share with my mom. I could share with my brother. And the missions that we go to Japan is because, you know what, to go back and bring the faith there, right? Extend the kingdom there. Because God had a purpose and a plan, right? And so here's one of those things is just be careful. Would you stay as far away from those things that, to be honest, God would consider spiritual adultery? We see it in Leviticus like this. He says, do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums, to those who consult the spirits of the dead. He says, I am the Lord your God. You know, I was talking to some brothers this week and uh, in, a, in our small group and, and one of those things was talking about this kind of a stuff like not that what we did but like uh, I, just, I just said this hey everybody's had like if you grew up in Hawaii and maybe not just in Hawaii but if you grew up here I bet most of us we have either had direct experience with some spiritual thing that wasn't God right or in your family right and you know, most of the guys, we raise their hands, right? And different people and different things. I have had things directly happen to me before I was a believer that was spiritual in nature, but it wasn't God. You know, it was dark. And you know, the scripture says this, but part of that is because of what I did before I was a believer. It says, don't visit astrologers or fortune tellers or basically play with Ouija boards or call on spirits or do incantations or practice magic, whether you call it black magic or white magic, right? Don't, don't chase those things. Don't, don't chase talking to the spirits of your ancestors. It says instead that the scripture is saying, seek me. Now why? It's because don't get caught up in that in the past. If you've had that, you know, God's forgiven that at the cross, right? But at the same time, he's saying this, don't get caught up in it again. Stay as far away from it as you can. And, and I think that for, for most of us, that I understand if there's people that they, they say that they, they've seen people, right? I, I understand, I had spiritual experiences, but this is one of those things I learned was that when I became a believer, it didn't, people didn't tell me, Glenn, you just made that up when you got, when you felt like that thing that couldn't, was stuck on your chest or when this thing happened at where we were in, you know, in the car with all my friends going through the graveyard and the, nobody said that didn't really happen because those things actually happened. But this is what I needed to learn how to do. I needed to learn how to interpret my experience by the word of God and not interpret the word of God by my experience. And people have spiritual experiences. I'm not telling you that you're not, you've never had a spiritual experience that wasn't God. I'm just gonna say, would you interpret that experience by the word of God? Because the the scripture is often gonna be saying that yes, that there, there are dark spirits. There are forces of wickedness. There are things, scripture calls familiar spirits that seem to come to you like something that you know or someone you know. And so I think this, that's what he's saying, that, that learn how to be faithful to God. Don't try to change the word of God to fit what you've gone through. Would you look at what God has said? To be honest, I thought I knew. How many of us thought we knew before we came to the Lord? I thought I knew, and then I came to the Lord, and I go like, oh my gosh. Just, it's like a whole different world open. That makes sense? And, and so today, you know, with all this stuff, it's, it's not just a harmless thing. You open a spiritual portal in some sense. You open a door that the enemy's looking for ways to, to access your life, to influence you. So let's, let's just close the door. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, let's close the door. Don't let the enemy in. in. Don't let the enemy into your house. To be honest, even those things, I don't take things that have been blessed. I remember um, when I was uh, uh, on staff with Campus Crusade and we were at UH and, 
there were these um, Hare Krishnas on campus and they were giving out, you guys don't remember Govinda cookies? They used to make this giant cookie and they were giving them out on campus and they said, hey, uh, we, they, we bless these cookies so that people would think spiritual thoughts. And I was hungry, so I took the cookie and I just said, well, thank you, Jesus, for this cookie. And I just ate the cookie, right? So I'm gonna think about Jesus, right? But, um, and and I, I think that that's fine. But, you know, I don't take things that, that people have got. Like, I, they went to the temple, they got this thing, and it was blessed, and go, hang this in your car. And I said, you know what? Jesus is with me when I'm in the car as well as when I'm at my house, right? And so just, there's things, I, I don't even take those kind of things into my home. So that we learn why, because there's kingdoms at work and he's always looking for inroads against the kingdom of light. And here's the last, last major point. Last major point is this, keep growing to maturity, right? Keep growing to maturity. And I love what it says in First Peter. First Peter says it like this, he says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, right? And so as, a, as God's chosen people, do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say, you're chosen by God, right? And it's saying as a result, you know what, that, it's, it's saying that you are priests, you and I, as, because I was chosen. I'm not a priest because I have a position in the church as a pastor. Uh, that there's a priest, that, what does a priest do? The priest intercedes for, for God on behalf of the people, right? And, and so you're a priest that when what? when you tell somebody about Jesus, when you pray for someone, that you're not a priest in the sense like, you know, you gotta bow down and all that stuff like that, but you're, you're functioning in that sense. Jesus is the one high priest, but he's saying this, that when you pray for someone, when you share the gospel, and you're trying to reach people because you want people to experience something from God, guess what, that's kinda like the priestly function. And that saying that you and I were, that Christians, followers of Jesus, is a kingdom of priests, it's saying. That we're a holy nation, God's very own possession, so we can display the goodness of God out in the world. And so it's, it's great. So how do we keep growing in this aspect? You know, we grow in our character, right? We grow in our honesty and our faithfulness. We grow in our patience and our, our justness and our compassion, right? We, we grow to not be a slave to our flesh or our feelings. We go beyond our feelings. Now, here's one of the ways I think that the enemy tries to combat us growing is is that he tries to change the narrative in which you're living. So you look at a situation and he tries to get you messed up. He tries to get me messed up by, by showing me, by, when we, by telling me a different story. Now, what do I mean by that? Because the Bible tells us first is that you gotta know that you're part of a bigger story. You gotta know that you're part of a bigger story, right? So I, I've said this before, the Bible is not just a simply a collection of stories and instruction. It's not just a simply a history of the Christian faith. It's not simply of doctrines and, and things like this. It doesn't just tell us about ancient Israelites and Christians and what they believed and how they acted. This, if you are a believer, is your history. This is your faith history. This is where we get the connection of our faith, right? This is for you and for me. So here's the thing, this is our, if this is our faith history, this is my heritage, this is your heritage. Do me a favor, if you have your Bible with me, would you just hold it up and say, this is my heritage, right? This is my heritage. That, that every promise, he says, in the scriptures is yes and amen, based on what? Because where you were born? No, by your faith in Christ, right? Is it because you, you had all these gifts? No, but because you have Christ, right? It's, it's this is all that belongs to you so that we don't know, and that's why we said we cannot obey, we cannot believe for if we don't know what this says, right? 
But here's the thing, this, this book is written. The book is closed. The book has been written. There's no more New Testament being written or a newer testament. I'm glad that you don't have to keep getting the update. What's the newer testament? Is there a 2.0? All right, but, but here's the thing that is this, although this book is written because it tells us all the way to the end, the story of God is not completely written, right? We see the record till about the first century AD when you read this. But the story was written, it kept being written, right? And guess what? You and I, we're the part that God's writing right now of the story. Your life, my life, our collective efforts, the church around the world, that God is writing the story of God and we're right at that point. There's not a period yet in your life. The period happens when you die, <laughs> right? But right now he's writing that story. And so we are at the end so far, at the end of the story. Is that, can the story go on beyond us? Yeah, possibly, absolutely. Who knows though whether it ends, ends in our generation. And to be honest, that's my sense of it. But, but here's this part. Know that you're part of a bigger story then, that God has written this fabric on the universe and the privilege that we have to be at this part. Like, know that you're chosen for this time. It's not an accident. You're not an accident. It's not a, it's not a weird thing that you're born when you were born, right? And, and so if that's the case, would you know that you're a person of calling? You're a person of destiny, right? You're a person who was called for this season? You understand that? Then you, you know that there's a lot that, that God wants to do in you and through you, right? Know that you're part of a bigger story. God is writing this even now. It's an amazing story about people who surrender their lives, people who get pulled out of darkness, people who were dead and come alive spiritually, people whose lives were broken and marriages were broken. And what happened is they came from a long line of horrible things. And then you know what happens for some of you, like for, like for me, who is the first believer in his family? We get to create a different lineage in some sense. We get to change the arc of the story in my family, in your family, right? And some of that is the spiritual story, right? Some of it is gonna be about the kids that happen or whatever happens. Now, why do I say that you gotta understand this part? Because the culture is trying to change the narrative that you live. That if you see all the things that are happening and all the the, the, the cultural things that are happening. Right now, the vast majority of the cultural upheaval is because there is a narrative that the world wants you to live and that you just interpret the world by oppressed and oppressor, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, what happens? Then all of a sudden, I start looking at different races differently. I start looking at different kind of a, different kind of a, uh, religion issues or political issues or, or sexual identity issues and I start thinking of it and I get, I get caught up. I, why is that? Because it's a different narrative than the narrative that I'm part of this bigger story that God has written. And is it because God doesn't love those people of other races or God doesn't love those people of other religions or God doesn't love those people of different politics or God doesn't love those people who have, you know, confusion of sexual identity or whatever it is? No, of course they're loved. Aren't you glad they're loved, right? And it says that, hey, such were some of us, right? That, so God loves them, but this is, the, this is the beauty that God wants to do. You were confused but then I showed you who you are, right? You, you, you didn't love different people because of their backgrounds, but I filled your heart with love and that you can embrace your neighbor, right? 
that you you were so political that you you, you just saw it so black and white that but I I changed your heart that it didn't matter what left or right or political party. We, we, we'll live differently if we understand we're part of a bigger story and we don't get caught up in the enemy, that the current of the world that just wants you to interpret it by oppressed and oppressor. Which to be honest, where did it come from? It came from Marx. That's where that came from. And so, why do I say that? Because this, didn't, it didn't actually come from Karl Marx. It came from the serpent in the garden. Has God really said this? Not to eat of the tree? God's the oppressor because he doesn't want you to eat because on the day that you do, you're gonna be just like God, but God wants to hold you down. This oppressor and oppressed that's the devil's line, right? Is that, they're making that up? Or is that what it says? I think that's what it says. And so this is what Second Corinthians tells us. Let's read what it says. Ready? Begin. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of what? Human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them what? To obey Christ. You see the battle is for your mind and what story you're gonna live. If you can live the story of the, of the, current, the sto current stories, current narratives, it's about it's about how we feel. It's about, you know, how we elevate what we think regardless of what God thinks. It's about what everybody else is doing, not about what God has told us. But God says this, no, you're part of a much bigger story. When you understand that, it helps to immunize you against the current stories. And that what we find then, that part of that is that God wants us then to become more and more like Jesus. Jesus is the person who embraced the, the, the unembraceable. Jesus is the one who elevated women. Jesus is the one who, who crossed cultural barriers. He's the one that cared for those, for the widow, for the orphan. We find him sharing the good news. We find him opening the things, but this is what he's saying. Let's not just look at Jesus as a hero. Let's lean into doing what Jesus did. Why? Because he told us to. In John 14, verses 12 to 13, it says this. Let's read this together. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works. Let's say those words, the same works the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. He says this, you're gonna do the same works, right? And he says, like, let's, let, let me just tackle this thing, though, in verse 14. I think that it says that, yes, ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. So, um, but if this aspect is leaning into what Jesus did, did Jesus ask the Father to, like, give me the Mercedes chariot and, uh, you know, like the, thoroughbred racehorse to carry. Did he ask for that? Or give me a palace and, no, that's not what he asked for, right? So it's not talking about those kinds of things. It's talking about the things that Jesus asked for, right? He healed people, right? He, he cast out spirits, right? He, um, he spoke life, he had influence, he, he expanded the kingdom. Now you can ask things along the way that 
things in your personal life that the scripture tells us that, hey, you know, ask for whatever it is that you need. That's part of the whole thing in Matthew 6, right? About give us this day our daily bread, right? The Lord's prayer, or it's not really the Lord's prayer, it's the Lord's instruction how to pray. But, but this is what he's saying, that you and I will do the same works. I, I believe that same works is what I had talked about in Luke 10 a few weeks ago when Jesus sent out the 72. But he said, hey, go out there and spread the gospel of the kingdom. And he said, go and, and uh, heal the sick, right? Go and, and, and preach the kingdom of God is near. It's, it's the same thing that Matt, he says in Matthew 10 where he said this, go heal the sick, raise the dead, he says, freely um, cast out demons, prophesy. He says all of these things. He says, freely you have received, freely, uh, freely you have received, so freely would you give. Now, lean into doing what Jesus did. So what does that mean? That, that you can pray for people and they get healed? Exactly. That pray that people who have demonic influence in their life, pray that it would be, be broken and they'll leave. Is that what I'm saying? Exactly. Speak the things that God would say that's not humanly knowable. Like you never told anybody else, right? And nobody ever said this, but you say it, why? Because God says it to you. Now, why don't we do that? Like when I first read that, I go like, what is the application of this? Okay, I'll just go out and do all this stuff. And I didn't think it was possible. So guess what happened? I never did any of it because I didn't think it was possible. When I was younger in the faith, and I was actually already in ministry because I, I went into the ministry two years after it became the Lord, uh, came to the Lord. And I was leading this group and one of the guys I used to go to work out with and uh, go to the gym, we would go work out in the evening and uh, we were driving home. We were just talking story on the way. And you know, sometimes people just tell you stuff that's going on in their life and like, man, you complain about like, yeah, no, sometimes I drink too much and this and this. And uh, you know, I'm a college student, right? And so I just said, yeah, well, hey, you know, like let's, let's just, you know, give that to the Lord, right? So they, oh, yeah, it's kind of normal. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, women are struggling and this and this, like, man, you're a man, you're gonna, you know, just this thing. And then sometimes I cut myself and I just said, wait, what was that again, <laughs> right? And I started to like, oh, well, something is on. And I, as I got to know him, I kind of found out his story and, and different things. And, and the, he, he was just a heavy metal, kind of a, you know, like crazy rock, satanic music kind of a thing. And he stopped basically listening to that. But I, I never saw these things happening. I, did, I didn't understand them. But I did understand him saying stuff like, there's times that he couldn't come into worship. When worship would be happening, he, he just would feel like, I don't know, I just feel uncomfortable, I gotta stay outside. You know what I thought? I thought it was he wasn't comfortable with the music. Later on I find out that wasn't the reason. That's not what he was really, he didn't know what he was saying. I just couldn't see it though. You know what I mean? I just thought it must be the music. He don't like the music or he didn't like something. And that's not what he was talking about. Because later we, as we talked, you know, I, I understood that after a, a severe, a death in his family, a death of a family member, death of a parent, that although he had been a believer, that he started dabbling in witchcraft. And not the first guy who's done that, that I knew. You know, one of the guys I grew up with, that's what happened to him after his dad died my dad's best friend and um, so I've known this guy my whole life he, he just happened to not be a believer but he was dabbling in all those things too same thing and I just said hey can we just can we just say hey that was an old me you did what you did and you didn't whether you knew better or you didn't know better let's just say that that's the old you right we don't want to do that anymore right the scripture tells us that we we had to re repent of that and let's just get rid of that stuff. And he goes, yeah, I need to get rid of that. Like, I just, this thing just drags me down. He's talking about all this stuff. And then one day he came to my house 
and he brought all this stack, and back then it was CDs, <laughs> of all this kind of a, you know, Rush and Kiss and ACDC and all this other bands, whatever, that's like, kind of like magnify the devil, Motley Crue, all this kind of stuff. And he, we just threw it in the trash. He just threw it in the trash. And we just said, oh, okay. And then he went his way, I went my way. And I, I didn't think about it. And then I, got, I had a bunch of stuff to do. And I came back in the evening. And then I was all by myself in my house, in where I was living, in Kaimuki. And I thought, well, I should pray. Right? I, I, you know, so-and-so brought the stuff and he, he t- put it in the trash. <laughs> And uh, I know he's struggling and all this stuff, but I should just pray over that. So I, I'm standing in my place all by myself, and the windows are all closed because I just got home, and I just said, in the name of Jesus, I said, just take authority over every spirit that was influencing so-and-so by this music that's in the trash. As I'm praying that, I just feel an evil presence enter the room, my hand, just chicken skin. Like, you just would think, wait, I felt a wind and the windows are all closed. And then I realized, this thing is not a joke. Man, I prayed every single prayer I could pray. I spoke in tongues, I did whatever it is at that moment, right? Because I realized at that moment that when we say that the enemy uses these things, it wasn't like a story. I mean, I I knew that this wasn't a story, but that's what really got me to start to say, you know what, we have authority. And that some of this influences that after that happened, guess what? He could be in worship. Because the enemy didn't like being him being in worship. He was just a quirky, weird guy, kind of still a little odd and a little quirky. <laughs> but but he's a man of God today. He's a great dad today. He serves the Lord today. He's a man of the word today. This is, he's, a, he's a strong, strong man of faith. But you know what? Before that time, he was bound. Guess what? So this is what he's saying, that you can do this. Why? Because in the moment that you say yes to Jesus, this is what he says, and we learn to trust him and obey him, Right? When we learn to trust him and obey him. And then we say, hey, God, I'm part of a bigger story. And, and I re- learned to say that, God, you're doing something bigger. I want to be part of what you're doing. This is what he says. And you do it not in your power, but you do it through the spirit of God. Then you realize he'll give you the authority. He'll give you the authority to, he's already given you the authority. Because this is why did we say, like healing is what? Is it I'm the healer? No, I'm just a waiter. I listen to the order. And I bring it to the chef. And at the end, I just return and give what he gave. That's it. I do nothing. It's God who does it, right? And same spiritual things. God will tell you things. Now, all I, all I know is this. It just takes practice. You got to lean into it. You got to try it. Now, there's some people that when you hear this kind of story, I know there's some people that say, I don't know, I never seen that before. You know why? Because you were like me. Because you didn't believe it was possible, so you never saw it. You go and you confront it in that moment, and you know what you're going to find? That thing will show itself right at that moment. And guess what? You just have the authority. And so we're to be, if we're to be the people of God, let's steward the power that God gave, Right? Let's not just be people of the word who tells about God. Let's be people of both the word and the spirit so there can be the manifestation of God. And that, in the middle of all that, I think that God gets the glory. And people's lives get changed. People get freed. And things they never thought about, never cut himself after that, never, all of these kinds of things, just because God began to work in a mighty way. That makes sense. You're not going to be perfect. Neither am I. But let's lean into it. Amen. Bow our heads. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are king.
We thank you that as king, you have all authority on heaven and earth. And Lord, you have said to us, that I am sending you just as you were sent into the world. And so, Father, Lord Jesus, we just say, God, send me today. Send me as a representative of your kingdom. Lord, send our church as a representative of the kingdom. God, empower us. So, Lord, that we're not just going to be telling our story we're not just going to be telling our thoughts but we're going to hear your thoughts lord we're going to speak your word we're going to come with your authority and lord sometimes when we we want to tell people about jesus there's a part of us or maybe people might even tell you who are you to tell me who are you to tell me about this thing and say i need to believe and lord we're who are we? We're people under direction. Lord, we're people who were commanded. We're people who were instructed. So Lord, we don't want to get into arguments, but we do want to tell people that the God of the universe cares for them, that he died in their place, that he came because in their brokenness and in their sin, he has seen that they were that they were lost but thank you lord that you came to save you came to renew you came to heal you came to empower god would you empower us empower us with the power of your spirit thank you that you are with us you said till the end of this age till you wrap all those things up you not leaving us and not abandoning us. Thank you, Spirit of God, that you live within us. Thank you, Jesus, your presence through the Spirit of God. We receive that. If that's you today, you're saying, God, I receive that you're authorizing me to represent you today. Would you just raise your hand to God? Say, God, that's me. I just, I'm receiving that today. I'm believing that today. And I understand you may not know how. You may not have it perfectly. But let's lean into that. Bless your people, Lord. And if you're here today, and whether you're in the house or you're online, and you've never said yes to Jesus, would you know that he loves you just as you are? And he knows all that you've been through. And this is what he says to you. You're loved. You're cared for, just as you are. And you don't have to change and clean up your act or do all these things to, for him to love you and accept you. He already loves you and already accepts you. He just says this, change your mind. Change your mind, or the Bible says repent, so that you can trust in him rather than trust in yourself. You can trust in what he's done for you rather than what you're doing for you. You can trust in him because he's the one that can forgive you. He's the one that can get you in heaven. He's the one who can be with you always. He's the one who can lead you and guide you. And all you have to say is, God, I want to be led. God, I, I want to be loved. Would you come live inside me today? Would you forgive me today? And he will. And we pray a very simple prayer and just invite you to join me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for loving me. I receive you today. Come live inside me today. I turn away from what I know is wrong. I turn away from my sin and I put my trust in you. Would you heal me and strengthen me? Would you set me free today? I trust in you. Thank you. I belong to you. And you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And you are my friend. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer or something like it, guess what? He heard you today. Can we just say congratulations to those folks?
Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to the New Hope Kapolei Messages podcast. We hope you enjoyed this weekend's message and that it brought you inspiration and encouragement in your journey of faith. If you'd like to listen to more messages or stay connected with us, visit our website at newhopecapolei.org or follow us on social media. Remember, no matter where you are in life, there is always hope and a new beginning in Christ. So let's continue to grow and learn together as we pursue a life of purpose and impact. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Aloha and God bless.